We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we are sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. You can visit the brewery that's located in Santa Rosa. Great vibes there. Good beer, good food trucks, dog friendly. Everything you want in a brewery. Or you can order beer. You can go to cooperagebrewing.com. That's cooperage, C-O-O-P-E-R-A-G-E, brewing.com. You can order a case. They'll ship it right to your front door. It's great. It's the best way to get beer. You don't even have to get off your couch. What you do to go grab it like off the front step. But other than that, you don't have to leave the house. It's great. All right, we have a playoff game to talk about. The 49ers beat the Seahawks 41-23 to in the wild card round, and we're going to break it down. Let's dive in. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. was the weirdest blowout I think ever because it was 41 to 23 but it wasn't that close but it also felt like it was a little bit closer than that Is yeah that I mean it, it was just a tale of two <laughs> halves right it was sure. just two completely different halves I think there are so many different interesting aspects to talk about from this game because so much happened uh, from the 49ers perspective but I mean, we have to start with Brock Purdy, right? Like, yes, we like for me, I've been sort of waiting for Brock Purdy to turn into a pumpkin this whole time. Right. And it's not that I'm doubting what he's done because what he's done has been legit and he's passed every single test and it doesn't feel like he's being propped up and running a training wheels offense like Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy is playing real life quarterback at a really high level and now he's done it in a playoff game. And so what, like driving back from the game, I spent so much of my time thinking about like, okay, playoff wins are hard to come by, right? Like Kyle Shanahan has five playoff wins in his career. Mm-hmm. Like you think like Bill Walsh had 10, right? Like we, th- we think about Bill Walsh and as one of the greatest coaches of all time, he had 10 playoff wins. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not that many, right? So you're like, all right, this is a playoff game. This is really, really like big time stuff. But then I'm like, well, it's, it's against the Seahawks, right. like against like a really bad defense. Like, right. what do I, what do I take away from this? And look, like, I think Brock's just like, I, I'm more and more convinced. And this isn't like, this is pretty obvious, but. Purdy's going to be the starter next year, sort of regardless now, I feel like. Like, unless he throws three picks next week. (laughs) Sure. And they lose whoever they end up playing. Like, it kind of feels like we're at the point where Brock Purdy's just going to be the guy. Um, And we can can talk about that later. But just the escapability continues to be the thing, right? Like, the two touchdown passes to the running backs 
were both like broken plays, finds yeah. his check down, and they're just walking touchdowns. Like the the Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell TDs were basically the same, right? Mm-hmm. He he accounted for four touchdowns today, three three passes, yeah. one run, no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo's playoff career, four touchdown passes, six interceptions. Right. Only four guys have gone three touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and no picks in a game in playoff history. Four other guys. Yeah. Like, so, it just doesn't happen. And look, like we've talked about it a lot. Like it, it doesn't always feel like Kyle Shanahan can spread the ball around. Like, first of all, the Niners are averaging like 35 points a week. Like you can basically just write in 30 points a game now. You can never do that with it's Jimmy crazy. Garoppolo. Right. You never could with Jimmy Garoppolo. Debo Samuel, 133 yards in a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, 119 rushing yards, uh, a receiving touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, he only had three catches, but it felt like his impact on the game was huge. Mm-hmm. 73, 73 yards, right? And, All of his catches went for 20 plus. And blocking two guys on Debo Samuel's 74 yard touchdown. Yep. And also being one of the guys in the face of basically the entire Seahawks defense after Jonathan Abram twists Debo Samuel's ankle at the, early in the third quarter, which, yep. you know, talking to players afterwards, that was like a, that was a real thing. Like they were legitimately pissed about that. And can I, can I talk about Brock Purdy before we dive into that? Yeah, real quick? sure. Absolutely. But Purdy, the thing Purdy that... the, the, he was nine of 11 in the second half. And one of those incompletions was this ridiculous play to Brandon Ike that should have been a touchdown. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. The, the thing that impressed me the most with, with Brock was that he wasn't very good in the first half. Not at all. Nine he of missed, 19. He missed so many throws that I think he probably should have made. He threw multiple balls that could have been picked off. And his first throw of the game was like a shot play to Debo Samuel and he just airmailed it. And whether that was because the ball was wet or whatever, I don't know. But it, he looked like a rookie in the first half. He said it was because the ball was wet. Okay. So, either way, he comes back in the second half and goes, like you said, 9 of 11 for a buck 85 and two touchdowns with a rushing touchdown. His ability to not spiral is his biggest asset. Because I think that's where when you talk about experience... It's like he's seen this situation before. Nothing's going to scare him. He knows that, you know, if you make a mistake in this spot, you can bounce back. And just the fact that he was able to do that, we've seen him do that before in the regular season, but he doesn't a playoff game where you don't have the cushion of, okay, there's next week. That was really, really, really impressive. I was just, I was, I, I don't, to get kind of what you were saying at the top there, I just I don't know what else you need. Like the, the thing I, I, I don't I don't know what other box you got to check. So I wanted like last week I talked to like guys on offense and try like I tried to figure out like when did they feel that like they could actually legitimately win with their you know quote unquote third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it was around you know the Tampa Bay game basically. I talked to the defense, some defensive guys who went against him on scout team. And one of them said really like a starter said something really interesting. He was like, you know, one thing that Robert Sala used to talk about was the difference between being prepared and being ready. Hmm. And that being ready is an emotional thing. Like you can be mentally ready, but prepared is entirely different. And what stands out to what stood out to, to this defensive guy, even when Purdy was on scout team, was that he was prepared. Like he knew exactly what his what offense he was running. He knew exactly what his job was. He knew what his reads were. And another guy I talked to just talked about like he was like, yeah, this is obviously a surprise, but the thing that he's always had is poise. Mm-hmm. And that goes to what you're talking about. Just like he'll have a bad throw. Like he the first throw of the game it looked like from it came out of his hand funny. Like it, it could have been deep to Ayuk, but you had Debo underneath. You like what wasn't you weren't sure who it was to. You're like, man, that's just a really ugly ball and it's a little wet outside. Like this could be this could be gross. And then next play, right, right back to Brandon Ayuk for a 20 yard gain over the middle. Yeah. And it was like, okay. So nine to nineteen in the first half. 
Say that again. I said he was locked in. He was locked in. Yeah. So not like nine of 19 in the first half. It was definitely ugly. And he was late to see guys and some throws were inaccurate. And I think he left the pocket a little early and was a little bit um, too quick to, to try to escape the pocket. And like the second half was just the complete opposite. Right. And I'm basically like it was nine of 11 in the second half, but I'm basically giving him you know, 10 of 11 like that. The uh, honestly, I thought the Brandon Ayuk thing and I texted you guys this like I thought the Brandon Ayuk play that he, the end zone pass that he dropped. That was like the best play I've ever seen Brock Purdy make. Like the throw is perfect. It it was one of the best plays I've seen a 49ers quarterback make. Like when was the last time you saw a Niners quarterback just evade the rush like that? And on that level and then improvise to get outside and then pump fake a defensive lineman, sidestep him and then just subtly sidestep another guy to then throw a dart to the open receiver in the back corner of the end zone. Yeah, that was an unbelievable play. Yeah. And if 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 Justin Fields does that, it's on every highlight show for the next six months. Yeah, I mean, that would have been, had I caught right, it, I think it would have made the rounds for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, and so that's that's kind of what I was saying, is if he catches it, we're looking at like an iconic 49ers play. Yeah, Like that's just a play that, you know, it's like the catch and the Terrell Owens play and the Vernon Davis play, and it's like, oh, this right. is the day Brock Purdy like arrived. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, you know, like, the first half was pretty ugly, but just it's just real quarterback stuff. You yes. know, like it's real. It's not like, oh, this is just some some gimmick offense the 49ers are running and it's unscouted and teams aren't prepared for it. Like this is sustainable because Brock Purdy is actually running the offense. He's making progressions. He's making second reaction plays. And look, everybody he's throwing to is under contract for a long time. Essentially. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's not like this is the, the window in terms of the offense. And I guess you could make the same argument for the defense. But in terms of the offense, like the window is wide open. Like you have Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. You're going to extend Brandon Ayuk after next season. You have George Kittle under con- contract. You have Trent Williams under contract. Like these guys are sticking around. So unless Brock Purdy just somehow falls off a cliff, which seems like really tough to to even consider given who's calling the plays given how open these guys tend to get and just Mm -hmm. the talent of these of the skill group it's just really impressive and it does seem sustainable and another thing i keep coming back to week after week the way kyle shanahan's calling plays he hasn't trusted any other quarterback he's had with the 49ers this much right it's not even close it's not even close. The fact that they were, I thought, I tweeted this before the game. I thought it was going to look like that Rams game at Levi Stadium in 2020, where yeah. Debo had 66 receiving yards, but 96 after the catch. Like, and it was just good. Like, Jimmy had like a 4.88. I thought it was going to look like that. And they clearly didn't feel that Brock needed that. Like, they were pushing the ball down the field and they were taking shots. And they were throwing, even though they were up two touchdowns late on third down, they're still throwing it and getting it to Debo because Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy to just not make a negative play and to make the right football play. And I just, I I just, I mean, we're seeing it. So (laughs) I mentioned that, that there's now five guys since at least 1970. That's how far back the stat had did basically goes. Three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and no picks in a game. It's five dudes who have done that. Brock Purdy's one. The other one is Matt Ryan, another Kyle Shanahan offense in the 2016 playoffs. Like, it's very much like Ruiz talked about, and Stephen Ruiz from The Ringer on our podcast. Like, there's like seven guys, and then there's Kyle Shanahan with like 20 quarterbacks who are going to be just as good as anybody else. And I think we're seeing that like Brock Purdy is who Nick Mullins fans thought Nick Mullins was. Yeah. Like, so why did Kyle, he's good at football? Why, why did Kyle Shanahan like Kirk Cousins so much? Or why does he like Kirk Cousins so much? It's because he, he can run the offense. 
Right. Right. Brock Purdy, as a rookie, can run the offense. Which is nuts. Which is nuts. But Brock Purdy is also way more athletic than Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. and can do the second reaction stuff and can get away from sacks and throw the ball away and can buy time in the pocket and still make plays downfield or in in Saturday's case buy time and find his check down running backs for walk-in touchdowns Mm -hmm. and like the Niners scored 41 points and just really weren't that good in the first half offensively. No. Like, think about that. They played a pretty, a pretty ugly half of offensive football and still wound up with 41 points without getting, like, a, a massive special teams play, like a big return or, you know, like a pick six or anything. Right. So that, to me, like... Just it's it's just one of those things where you you just get more more and more sold every week. But I do like the caveat is, okay, this was the Seahawks, sure, and you know, and I get that, I get that. But at the same time, it's a division rival who you've already seen twice, right? And they throttled a playoff team in the second half, and like I, that's just not. Like Seattle's not very good, and and I think it was a ten point spread, and I think a lot of people expected the Niners to kind of win going away, but the way they put their stamp on that game in the second half and over the final thirty minutes just went no 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 that's not how this is gonna go and just decided that the game was over. Like that's a that's a skill. Yeah, and I thought on Thursday's pod when we talked about it, I thought Brock Purdy was gonna have fifteen to twenty pass attempts. And he had 30. Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, 0-2 in playoff games when he throws 30-plus times. And I bring that up because it was the Super Bowl and it was the NFC title game last year. And the only time he's ever thrown it 30-plus times in a playoff game is when the game script dictates it. Yeah. The 49ers could have easily today been like, Brock, you're throwing it 20 times. And if we win 20-17, to then so be it. But that's what's happening. But they trust him to put it in the air 30 times, even when they're ahead by two touchdowns. He averaged. I think, 11, it's, very, I think it's very telling. He averaged 11 yards in attempt. Oh, did I on the <laughs> on that that three touchdowns thing? Yeah. Is, if you also tack in the 330 yards bit. Matt Ryan had 35 pass attempts to get to his 330 yards and three touchdowns. Purdy needed 30. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up Josh Dubow's timeline. Yeah, please. He's great. Because Josh Dubow, he covers Niners for the AP. Yeah. And tweets about the Raiders occasionally. <laughs> um, I mean, just I, I gotta go back because there have been so many. Players since 1991. Oh, sorry, that's he's he's been tweeting about the Jacksonville game. Well, uh, obviously. Wild game, by the way. Yeah. Holy Chargers! Yeah, that was that was rough. Um, rookie QBs who have won? No, not that's not the one I'm looking for. Yeah, so Brock Purdy, tenth playoff game in Super Bowl era with 330 yards passing, zero interceptions, and four touchdowns, combined rushing and passing. The list: Patrick Mahomes. Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Daryl LaMonica in 1968. Daryl LaMonica, Notre Dame legend. The Mad Bomber. Like, that's, that's the an thing. unbelievable list. It's an unbelievable list, and Brock Purdy's on it. Yeah. And not like by accident. Like you said, those are like broken play touchdowns. And he's a rookie. I mean, that's he's a, in his that, first year. That was his first ever playoff start, and that was that was his performance. He's on that list with Peyton he Manning, by, Joe Montana, Kurt Warner, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Pat Mahomes, like a, a, a Daryl LaMonica, a whole lot of Hall of Famers. He's a rookie seventh round pick, making his first career playoff start. Every quarterback who started today was making their first playoff start, and Brock Purdy had by far the best game. Yeah. It's not even close. 
And he's a rookie. He's the only rookie out of that group, too. It was pretty sick. You mentioned the ankle twist by Raiders legend Jonathan Abram on Debo Samuel. And you started to get into that, and I want to dive back in because I was ready to say that the Charles who fumble and the Nick Bosa recovery was the turning point because Seattle at that point, that was the 13th play of that drive. And the Niners were only up 23-17 at that point. Seattle was going in late in the third quarter to make it a 24-23 game. Yeah, touchdown there gives them the lead. And at that right, and at that point things get tight. But instead, Omena who causes the fumble, Niners go down and score a touchdown, all of a sudden the wheels come off for Seattle. But it sounds like based on what guys were saying after the game, it sounds like that ankle twist by Jonathan Abram was the actual turning point. Yeah. Which is nuts. Like, what an idiot. So Debo said after the game, the reason why, like, his ankle hurt, but one of the reasons why he, like, stayed on the ground was because he just completely lost his temper. And, like, he stayed on the ground. He lost his temper and wanted to go and, like, fight whoever, but just didn't, and his ankle hurt, and he stayed on the ground, and then... It's kind of dealt with it, but it was like Brandon Ayuk getting in the face of everybody in the Seahawks defense, right? Mm -hmm. And like I asked Trent Williams about it, and this completely left my mind until Trent said it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." You remember in training camp? Because I was like, "Have you always has Brandon Ayuk always been kind of like this guy?" Because he's he's like this dude squared up on Fred Warner. Yeah, he wants all like he wants all the smoke. He's going up the chimney, John Moran stuff. Yeah, or down the chimney, whatever. Santa Claus, whatever. Um. John Morant's Santa Claus. But, <laughs> but no, Trent, that's what Trent said. He was like, you remember when he tried to fight Fred Warner? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that, that remembers. I remember that. That tracks. Right. Um, Trent Williams was obviously pissed. Like, it felt like the 49ers were sort of playing like a team that just kind of expected to just roll the Seahawks. And then yeah. once that play happened, it was like, OK, it's it's playoff time. It's time to go. Yeah. And it was a completely different game from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I think offensively, like everybody said it, every it, like it gave them a lot of juice. Mm-hmm. And Debo had like an amazing game. Like Debo Samuel in the playoffs, he's like built different. Yeah, man. Like I, we, we talked, we talked about in the playoffs last year, like Debo Samuel looking just like a hall of fame type dude, like in the playoffs specifically, the 74 yard touchdown was unbelievable with unbelievable block by Brandon. Ayuk too. basically but blocking just, two guys. Yeah. But just the fact that Samuel continues, he's in year four now, five, you're five now. Your five was in the 19 draft. 19, 19 20, 20, 20, four years, four years. You're four. And guys still haven't figured out that he's going to get that corner every time and they need to take different angles. It's crazy to me. But I also think there's like a business decision aspect. He's also fast. No, right. We're right. No, totally. He's definitely fast. But like, I think guys are still underestimate that. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's because I just don't think he looks super fast guys just haven't adjusted and like i said they're down 14 at that point that touchdown made it 21 i think there's probably some business decisions happening too yeah yeah i mean it was just i mean first like you to be able to run a pitch to christian mccaffrey right right? like you run a pitch to christian mccaffrey early in the game it gets you 68 68 yards whatever sets up the first i forget which score it was maybe that was Anyway, you you set up a pitch to Chris or you run mm-hmm. a pitch to Christian McCaffrey. It goes the first goes, touchdown. Yeah, it goes for almost 70 yards. You fake a pitch to Christian McCaffrey. You roll out. The defense obviously overreacts to McCaffrey. You have Debo standing wide open in the middle of the field with a full head of steam. And it just speaks to how difficult the 49ers are to defend with this group of skill guys. Because what mm-hmm. you had throughout the game was... Christian McCaffrey lining up out wide. 
Kyle Juszczyk lining up at fullback, George Kittle lining up in the slot, Debo Samuel lining up in the backfield. Like there were a ton of plays where you're basically, if you're Kyle Shanahan, dictating what matchups you're getting. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is obviously not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, but I do think Brock Purdy's not doing this just for any team in the NFL. Like, do mm -hmm. He's able to do this because of what Kyle Shanahan provides him and, and the skill guys, obviously. The Niners have such an advantage because if they want Christian McCaffrey on a linebacker, they can do it. If they want George Kittle on a slot corner, they can do it. If they want, you know, Debo Samuel on a linebacker, they can do it just based on the ability to line anybody up anywhere. And they were doing that a lot in the Seahawks game. And you can just tell, like, man, it's got to be so impossible to defend these guys because not only can they have guys line up anywhere, but in any of these formations, they have multiple plays they can run out of them. One can just be a basic, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of the stuff we complain about with Kyle Shanahan, like, oh, that stuff looks really basic. And it, a lot of times, yeah, that looks basic by design because you can fake to it the next time. And then... right create a play like where you have Debo Samuel get getting 15 yards of space and a full head of steam and he goes for a 74 yard touchdown. Right. Right. So that's really like the whole thing here is just the versatility. Right. And Christian six of 11 on third down, by the way, after being one of five in the first half. That's so nuts. <laughs> so, so they were five of six on third down in the second half. That's unbelievable of a, of a playoff game, a rookie seventh round quarterback in a playoff game. So none of it, none of it makes sense. But it's also not like something that we can point to and go, well, like, OK, this is going to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, if they get beat, they just get beat, but it's not right. going to be because like oh, Brock Purdy isn't good enough. Like, if the, the the offense can run in a way where Kyle Shanahan can basically get whatever he wants, and if they get beat, they get beat, but it's not going to be because, like, what they have isn't good enough. Like, they have more than enough right. to win. Like, yep. they're scoring 35 points a game, basically, since yep. making Brock Purdy the starting quarterback. So, man, super impressive. I thought... 41 points and 500 yards of offense yeah. in a playoff game. I don't care who it's against. That's impressive. Yeah. I thought Geno Smith was really good. Geno Smith was excellent. The fumble was obviously a huge play in the game, and it definitely it definitely swung swung things. Like, it, that was, you know, the, the Debo leg twist was, like, the emotional swing. Yeah. That, that fumble was the tangible swing in the game. Yep. Yeah. Because once that, they got up two touchdowns, Seattle wasn't coming back. Yeah, the Niners had just taken the lead. Seattle down by six. A touchdown there gives them the lead. It very much felt kind of perilous at that point. But then getting that turnover, going back and scoring the touchdown the other way, making it a two-score game, which is obviously way better than being down a point. Enormous, right? Right, and it makes it a two-score game in a spot where they have to now be one-dimensional. Yeah. And they're just not, if you're one dimensional against the Niners, you're going to get beat. I kind of thought, to be honest, it was like a B minus C plus game from the defense. I totally agree. I was going to bring that up next. Nick Bosa was basically a no show for a lot of that game. Yeah. DK Metcalf, they, they just had no answers. Like as good as Travarius Ward was in the Thursday night game, he got Metcalf got him back. Plumbed. Yeah. 10 catches on 13 targets with two touchdowns, including that 50 yarder. Um, hey, Diamador Lenore got a pick, though. Diamador Lenore nice. got a pick. What's interesting about this Charles team... Charles who had a great game, too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What's interesting about this team now... I still think the Niners' defense is good, and there's a chance it's still the best defense remaining in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But last year, they were winning on the back of their defense, basically. Mm-hmm. The formula might have to be different this year. Like they might, this might have to be them scoring 30 points and hoping the defense can just 
you know, like it's not going to be a situation where the defense is allowing 13 points. I don't mm-hmm. think. I mean, they still could. They definitely have that in the bag. But like, you know, they're going to go against Justin Jefferson or CeeDee Lamb or Mike Evans next week. Like, they could have issues. Yeah. More like different types of issues than they had during the regular season. And the formula, instead of just being so dependent on running the ball and playing good defense like they were with Jimmy Garoppolo, the formula might be like, no, they you, they got to get 30 points. Like, they're going to need the offense to get 30 points to win. And to be honest, like in this modern NFL, that might be more sustainable in terms of being able to contend week after week in the playoffs Mm -hmm. than what they were doing last year. Like they won last year despite their quarterback play, full stop. Right. Now their quarterback play is a reason they're winning. Yes. It also helps that they gave up six points in the second half. Yeah, only with those only with six points coming team. on. Yeah, coming on garbage time. They got to rest their starters in a playoff game. And they're going to have an extra day of rest, at least an extra day of rest on whoever they play in round two. Yeah. So winning the Saturday game is big because. If so, if the if the Giants beat the Vikings, the Niners play the winner of the Monday night game. Mm-hmm. That team on is playing- Sunday. On Sunday, that team's playing on a short week. Mm-hmm. If they and the Niners are playing on a long week with next day's rest. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings win, the Niners are hosting the Vikings and on Saturday, most likely on Saturday. And the Vikings will be playing on a short week, while the Niners will be playing on a regular week. Right. So that's you know, while it kind of it's not ideal to be playing on a Saturday after the regular season ends, you do get a head start in terms of you know plays off. Or like right. in terms of like rest and load management, if you will. Um, and they got to take their starters out early in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it is it picking nits to point out that the Niners' defense struggled and wasn't as dominant as usual? Maybe I guess, but to your Kenneth point, Walker is also really good. Yeah, and he had... They were getting in a lot of, like, second and third and short. And that's just hard. I don't care what defense you are. Okay, do you know how many yards Walker had in the first half? Yeah, yeah, I, I tweeted this out already. I, I, okay. I, so I know the answers, but <laughs> go ahead. He had 54 in the first half on 13 carries. Right, and then two for nine in the second half. Two for nine in the second half. Crazy. Um, and that's partly because they had to get one dimensional. But honestly, the Niners coming out in the second half, down by one, and going, what was it, ten plays, seventy five yards in seven minutes and forty five seconds. Like they just ate half the clock, yeah. and got behind their offensive line. The interior of their offensive line was abysmal in the first half. They couldn't get yeah. anything going on the ground. If you took away <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's sixty eight yarder and Debo Samuel's twenty two yard run. They had and Brock Purdy scramble. They were like under two yards a carry. Yeah, it was like it was. I I forget the exact number. It was like eight for twenty or something. So maybe just over, but whatever. Um, and then in the first half or to in the in the first drive of the second half, they just ran it up the middle, and they did all the things they couldn't do in the first half, and that's just demoralizing. They also got a lot of help from the Seahawks offensive line in terms of penalties. Yeah. What would, what was the deal there? So had, so in the third quarter, when the Seahawks are driving and they're down by six points, they had a second and nine and got a Tyler, a seven yard pass to Tyler Lockett, which would have set up a third and two. Right. But they had an illegal man downfield and it's like a short passing play. Like, like a quick so hitting weird. passing play. It's extremely odd to see a guy illegally downfield in that scenario. And it happened, mm-hmm. I think, three times. Yeah, they had three illegal man downfield penalties. It reeked of one of those things that like the Seahawks do that and get away with it. And the Niners like called the league during the week and were like, yo, these dudes have illegal men downfield all the time. Yeah, because it it generally only happens on like screenplays. Like you don't see right. it on quick hitting pass. So that was super weird. But anyway, I bring that up because 
so instead of third and two at the seven, it goes to second and 14 at the 19. Traverius Ward makes his best play of the day, breaks up the, the t- yeah. possible touchdown to DK Metcalf. So instead of third and two at the seven, it ends up being third and 14 at the 19. And the third and 14 is when a man who got the strip sack. Right. Obvious passing down, right? Like that's when mm-hmm. the 49ers most often get to the quarterback third and long. Obvious passing down where Smith couldn't just do a three-step drop and get the ball out. Yeah, exactly. So that penalty was a huge play in the game. Man. Yeah. So, you know, and that and that happened a few different times, but that that one really st- sticks out. Like the Seahawks are going to kick themselves over some of the, the like the weird penalties with the offensive line, but no man, like the big takeaway today, I mean, at first it's Brock Purdy, second it's the offense just turning it on and going into FU mode after the Debo Samuel thing and just playing with an entirely different intensity. And then third was, you know, the defense not looking great in the first half, but getting the turnover that they needed with a little bit of help from the Seahawks. But again, to your point, like they did, in essence, pitch a shutout in the second half. The starters, anyway. The 49ers had six players today with plays of 20 plus yards. That's wild. Six different guys. George Kittle, Jawan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. Oh, I'm sorry, it's five different players. Debo Samuel had 20-plus yard plays on the ground and in the air. But when you look at this distribution, just of like the stars, it's 15 carries for 119 yards for Christian McCaffrey. It's six, for one, six catches for 133 for Debo. Brandon Ayuk gets three for 73. George Kittle gets two for 37. Like George Kittle wasn't even involved in the passing game today. Would it shock you if they came out next week and George Kittle got 10 targets and got eight balls for 120 yards and two touchdowns? No. Like, they can just do that. Same with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ayuk was at one drop away from having, you know, 90 yards and a touchdown. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, it was, it's unbelievable how good their offense is playing. I've said unbelievable a lot on this podcast. Great future song. Unbelievable. I know you like weren't even born yet, and your parents or, probably weren't even. No, that's incredible. Never mind. Yeah, incredible. unbelievable. Um, the nineteen ninety four Forty Nine ers offense. You were probably like fifteen years away from being born, or whatever. I was four years old. The last okay. time the Niners won a title. <laughs> Jerry Steve Rice, Young, Steve Waters. Young, Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters, William Floyd, Brent Jones, John Taylor. This group skill group's better than that. Yes. Just the skill. No group. shade. No shade to any of those guys. Ricky Waters crazy underrated, but Christian McCaffrey's better. And Jerry Rice is the greatest of all time, obviously. But like yes. the combination of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, I think is better than Rice and Taylor. Yeah, I agree. On top of George Kittle, especially because that was late stage John Ch- John Taylor too. Yeah, and a big Later part, stage. right? And a big. A big part of me saying that is the fact that like Brent Jones was good. George Kittle is a lot better than Brent Jones. Yes. So like yes. the combination All of due that respect to Brent Jones. Yeah. Love Brent Jones. Like that team was like the reason why I like football, but like still like football, but <laughs> out on football now, <laughs> <laughs> obviously you can hear it in my voice. I hate this game. Um, No, but like if, if you're thinking about big picture and obviously you know, Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator on that team. Mm-hmm. Just big picture. It's like, man, this is this is potentially special stuff like with this group. Yeah. No idea if Brock Purdy is going to going to be good enough to like win the 49ers a Super Bowl, but it's looking like it's not crazy. Obviously. But like this skill no. group is better than that skill group. I think that's a take I have coming out of this. Yeah. And I don't think that's that crazy. I don't know how many people would argue with you who aren't doing so from a nostalgia standpoint. Well, their case would be like, I mean, Jerry Rice is the greatest of all time. Also, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Not Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, Last thing here. Well, they might Uh, both have Hall of Fame quarterbacks. No, that's what I'm saying. We don't know. (laughs) Uh, Scott Zolak, who was a Patriots quarterback and now does radio for the Pats. I saw this. 
tweeted after the game basically that this reminds him of 2001 when a young team rallied around a quarterback and that this is Brock Purdy's team now. And I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, we've we've said a million times on this podcast, so much can change between now and June. So who knows what their quarterback situation looks like. But I do think the idea of a team rallying around the quarterback and being like, okay, we're good enough to win a Super Bowl and we've got this dude that we're all buying in on. And it's not like, okay, it's captain training wheels back there. We're effed if anything goes wrong. Like they had a bunch of stuff go wrong today. And they put up 41 goddamn points. So, yeah, I'm with you. But when I saw that tweet, I was... He's not He's not Tom Brady, obviously. That's not... So I was sitting next to Josh Dubow. And, like, honestly, like, Dubow and I joke, Josh and I joke about, like, a lot of stuff when it comes to football. But he is, like... He is, yeah, he's... He's a brilliant person, particularly when it just yes. like very smart, like yes. history of the game, like somebody with just a ton of knowledge has seen a ton of things up close, covered a lot of stuff. Go blue. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're throwing me off. Uh, but I was like, I scoffed at that. I mentioned that tweet and Nick and that Nick was sitting next to me, too. And I scoff at it. And then Josh was like, but. You got to remember, Tom Brady wasn't very good in 2001. Correct. Like this version of touchdowns, the entire playoff run. Brock Purdy is not Tom Brady, like thousand percent, not Tom Brady. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even going there. I'm not entertaining it. But this version of Brock Purdy right now is better than 2001 Tom Brady. It's just a fact. And 2001 Tom Brady was in year two, by the way. Right. So I'm not trying to to say he's off to a better start to his career than Tom Brady has. Right. And that's worth pointing out, but it's also worth like this could all end next week. (laughs) Right. Like I don't, I'm not trying to paint the picture that like Brock Purdy is on this Tom Brady trajectory because the chances of that are one in a billion. Right. But like the context of that Solak tweet is like, no, that Brock Purdy is actually better than Tom Brady was when they make, were making their first starts in the league. Yes. Which that's is my, true. That's just in it objectively and subjectively. That's true. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like I've, I scoff at Brock Purdy being in the same sense as Tom Brady for obvious reasons. And any rational person should, but then you think like, okay, well, you know, does, does second year Tom Brady look this good? Like, is he, is he on the list with Joe Montana and, Oh, I'd, del- I'd exit out of the window, but like every other every other player on that list that Dubow tweeted out, you know, Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, like it's crazy. It's crazy to Tom be Brady. on that list. It's crazy to be on that list in your very first start. Even crazier to be on that list as a rookie seventh rounder. Yeah. So anyway. Wild Crazy. stuff, man. It it's, is wild stuff. I'd reached a point in the regular season where I was just kind of like, okay, this is just what it is now. This isn't this isn't that crazy. He's just a pretty good player. And then he goes and does that today in a playoff game against Pete Carroll and a team that he'd faced already and a team facing the Niners for the third time. And it was just like business as usual. And the fact that you can go into a playoff game and be business as usual, where you're letting it rip and throwing from weird arm angles and creating plays out of structure, like that's just that's a step I feel like a lot of guys take in year two or three. And he's doing it in start six. They scored 41 points and were really sloppy in an entire half. Hey, I have a stat for you real quick. Okay. Before we get out of here, because I do have to go. I'm doing this from a hotel room, by the way. If it sounds like I'm talking quietly, it's be like quieter than usual. It's because I'm trying to. You picked a hell of a hell of a month to decide to go on a bunch of trips. Yeah, well, my cousin's getting married. Take it up with her. 
kind of selfish of her to be honest but <laughs> no um the 49ers beat the Seahawks three times this season that's the same amount of times they beat the Seahawks between 2013 and 2021 yeah it's crazy they were three and 16 against them including the playoffs between 2013 and 2001 2021. And they knocked him off three times this year. That's really wild. Your reaction to Geno Smith signing a three-year, $90 million contract this offseason would be what? Sure. Like, that's just, I, I would, that's, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm offering it to him. Yeah. If Especially with this, in this division, the Rams are probably a dumpster fire. He was for a minute. Arizona's a dumpster fire. He was really good, man. Like, got the ball out quickly, was accurate, got it to the right place. I was really impressed with Geno Smith. I was expecting a Kirk Cousins 2019 playoffs type performance from Geno, and he was much, much better. The only mistake he made was the Lenore interception where he tried to force it into a covered receiver in a game that had already gotten out of hand. And the fumble. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not putting that on him. There were four guys in the backfield. Yeah. I don't know. It, did, it didn't look like it took a whole lot for the ball to get jarred loose there. Yeah, it's true. I, I enjoy small hands. <laughs> I enjoyed like everybody on Twitter, like, oh, Nick Bosa, Bosa doing everything. It's like Bosa after the game was like, the ball was right there. I just fell on it. <laughs> well, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, because I think the TV copy, I think, said the, uh, I, I think he said that it was Bosa that knocked it out. Oh, okay. And it very much was not. No. So it was just because you know how Bosa is, like, monotone and understated. Yeah. So like, oh, the ball was just right there. It just <laughs> fell on it. It wasn't that great of a play. <laughs> he did, too. He, like, looked at it and then, like, pounced on it. Yeah. It was really funny looking. Yeah. That was. And the crazy thing was, too, remember Omena who missed a sack, like, just didn't tackle, yes. you know? Yes. Earlier in the drive. And it was like, oh, if that could have been bad. Yeah. And then you made up for it. Yep. Six round traded him, traded a six round pick to get him. Yeah. Jordan Willis had a decent game too. Another guy they if you can just give away seventh and sixth round picks for rotational defensive linemen, I think that's a great team building strategy. Drake Jackson inactive. Yep. And Tyrene Davis Price. And Nick so so my understanding is a 49ers this is the one quick point and then we'll get out of here okay 49ers are loading up on interior defensive line guys and that's the reason why Drake Jackson is inactive because they don't necessarily trust Javon Kinlaw to be healthy throughout a whole game mm-hmm. just make Kinlaw inactive like if you feel like <laughs> Like, is Kinlaw playing awesome? Yeah, nice tackle for loss today. On the first drive, I think. I would rather have Drake Jackson up than Kinlaw. Like, if your concern is, like, we we have to have him in that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, like, it's... I don't think it's this great indictment on Drake Jackson that I think a lot of people think. I think it's more of an indictment on the fact that they don't trust Javon Kinlaw to be up for an entire game, like to not leave a game after 10 snaps with a knee injury. Right. And like, if, if that's your reasoning for having Drake Jackson inactive, I would rather just have Jackson up and Kinlaw down and roll that way. Okay. We can run that up the flagpole (laughs) until I see Kinlaw just like be dominant in any stretch. But like, this isn't, this isn't like, all right, time to get, Time to get going, you know, time to like time to knock the rust off. It's like this is the playoffs. <laughs> You're gonna need to get after the quarterback a little bit. And Jackson no gives you a better shot than come on. Anyway, two cents. Okay. Anything else? I don't think I have anything else. Okay. We'll have another pot early in the week. May or may not have a guest. We'll see. Might be a familiar voice. Might not. Never know. Oh boy. 
I love that tease by you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll uh we'll have another uh we'll record Monday. I'm thinking most likely well, depending on how what happens in the Vikings game will depend on the timing of the recording of the pod. I think if the if the Giants win and the Niners play the winner of the Cowboys Bucks game, we'll probably wait to record till after that game. Um, okay. but if the Vikings win and we know the Niners are playing the Vikings on by Sunday night, we'll just we'll probably roll with that. So Very Anyway, good. subscribe oh, yeah. rate review. I've put good. a little bug in our in our uh our line to Cooperage and uh threw out the Brock Curdy idea. Hell yeah. And it is it has been well received. Also, tweet can Kyle. Can we get that like sponsored by can we sponsor that beer? I was so I was gonna say another thing that was brought up was what if it was a candlestick chronicles Cooperage collab, but it was a different beer. It was a Brock Curdy. I love that idea. So we have two beers. So we could have the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy and then the Brock Curdy Pilsner with Candlestick Chronicles. Yeah. Could be a Pilsner, could be a Pale, could be right. I would prefer it to be hoppy if we if we could. Sure, totally. Maybe like so a West just, maybe a West Coast IPA instead I of a Hazy. I love that idea. I love that idea. I mean Brock Curdy is just too too easy. You just have you just have yeah. Kurt. You well, just he's have an Kurt Arizona in, guy. You just have Kurt in a in a red thirteen uniform. It's easy work. Easy work. And if you've been to Cooper, you know how good the Kurt beer is. So, anyway. yeah, Kurt beer always always smacks. Just putting putting a bug out there. We'll see. You were telling people to tweet me. Why? Oh, if you want a Brock Curdy Cooperage Candlestick Chronicles collaboration beer hmm. tweet Kyle yeah do that don't tweet me because I can't see my mentions yeah tweet at me I'll forward those on to the powers that be and we'll be like the people have spoken and that'll be that if even one person sends something I'm gonna be like Kurt this is a deal man the people want it yeah alright <laughs> goodbye everybody <laughs> Cooperbrewing.com, check them out. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. See you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.